0: Bzz, bzz. is there something wrong with our connection no there's just a lot of buzz around this particular issue
1: are we seriously doing another pun style opener
0: i don't know what you
1: could possibly be referring to you're really kicking the hornet's nest here man <laughs> now you're getting into the spirit let's not drone on about it okay i'm not pawing your leg i right, i gotta step away i need to talk with my honey
0: uh. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Swarm.
1: Yeah, Swarm actually won our March Madness tournament from 2022. Uh, This has been a weird year, to the point where time has flown by so fast that we accidentally forgot to cover (laughs) the champion of last year's tournament. So before we cover this year's tournament champion, which was, who was it, Chris? Daredevil. Yep, Daredevil won the 2023 March Madness character tournament. So we were like, eh, we should probably cover last year's champion first. So we'll be talking all about this insect villain, super villain, (laughs) We really should say (laughs) at this point, because, you know, Nazi bee person.
0: So Swarm is a villain appearing in Marvel Comics created by Bill Mantlo and John Byrne, a former Nazi scientist whose body is now comprised of a swarm of bees wearing a cloak. Yes, you heard that right. Swarm is able to take any shape and is virtually indestructible, most often appearing as a Spider-Man villain, He's both frightening and a little hard to take seriously. I mean, Nazi scientists made of bees. It's easy to love slash hate this guy.
1: For publication history, Swarm has shown up in various titles. He first appeared in the champions issue 14 in July of 1977. And he's kind of popped around between like spectacular Spider-Man, secret defenders, sensational Spider-Man runaways, Thunderbolts, mighty Avengers, Wolverine and the X-Men, Spider-Man, Deadpool, and of course, Ant-Man, you know, got to be insect versus insect. But he hasn't really gotten that formative run because when he does show up, it's either one or two issues. It's very short. Yeah. So we don't really get fully fleshed out stories for this character, but there's a lot of potential here, honestly, and I'm shocked we don't have more from this character.
0: Yeah, the, the longest ones that we've gotten were in Spider-Man, uh, issues. And usually, like you said, it's like one or two. And one of those, one of my recommendations is going to be for that, but it's, it's interesting that he's not part of a longer th- story or we, or no one's had a chance to really like delve in and like write an interesting sympathetic backstory or something. It's hard, I guess, when you're, uh, writing for a Nazi, <laughs> it's like, you're not going to yeah. turn this guy into an anti-hero. he's, he's just straight up bad news. But 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 he he is very interesting and uh i I think potentially he could be like a really powerful villain because i mean some of the stuff that you've seen him in like the the, there's a issue of thunderbolts where they're he's just gotten huge like as a as like a three-story building and they're they're about to lose you know like and and he's quite powerful in terms of like the the abilities that he has and who doesn't i mean like if you're facing up against a killer swarm of bees like that's a that's that's terrifying for a lot of people
1: so for for some people just going up against one bee is terrifying yeah
0: yeah that that, yeah i should i should admit to that just like oh there's a bee and i just start running
1: (laughs) i i do want to shout out two particular podcasts that also really pushed swarm to be the champion of the tournament so we actually had yeah so it was multiverse of badness as well as okay. the Back in My Day podcast. Both of them were championing this character. They both have uh, episodes of their own shows talking about Swarm. So if you want to get a little bit different version of their iteration or interpretation of the character, their thoughts on it, you can go check out all of those episodes. Because I think both of them have done multiple episodes on this character now. Oh, which, wow. it, Yeah, which is really interesting, honestly. But yeah, I wanted to make sure both of them, both of those shows got the shout out that they needed and I actually just recorded with a uh, Multiverse of Badness. I re- I uh, recorded with Mike earlier today. Oh nice. And those episodes will be releasing really soon.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about Swarm's origin. So Fritz von Meier was once a Nazi scientist born in Leipzig, Germany, later becoming one of Hitler's top scientists in toxicology and milletology, the study of bees. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I apologize for those uh, people that are into that sort of thing. Although it is known he had access to looted gold from countless European capitals to fund his research. Von Meyer fled Germany at the end of World War II to settle in South America. Now just settle in on this. Like, this is a villain that was alive, kind of like Red Skull. Like he's been around for a while. By all intents and purposes in modern storyline, should be like very old or dead, but yep. but wait, but wait, because this is why he's still alive. So uh he's a world expert on toxin poisons and apiculture, which is beekeeping. He continued his research on breeding patterns of killer bees in comparative peace deep in the jungles. But one day, he found a hive unlike any he had ever seen. The bees exhibited no fear, an unusual passivity, and a highly developed intelligence. Believing that a nearby meteorite bombardment had somehow mutated the bees with radiation, von Meyer built a device that he hoped would reawaken the bees' killer instincts so that they would serve him. However, von Meyer had erred, so that while the bees were no longer passive, they were not in his control. They began to swarm over von Meyer, killing him. But that's not it. That's not the end for him. In the midst of his death throes, his consciousness shredded, dissipating into the swarm of bees. Thus, von Meyer became an aggregate being, a living embodiment of the swarm, with his own scientific mind added to the mutant intelligence of the multitude of bees. I love that sentence. Von Meyer claims to have used his powers to conquer. And at some point he must have developed giant mechanical bees that obey his commands. Because when we first see him, he has these big giant mechanical bees that he's controlling because
1: it it was... Because more bees. The the (laughs) terrifying thing is he's literally a person made up of bees. And he still needed to create mech giant mecha yeah. bees. So it and, and <laughs> do he's more he's
0: basically a, sw- a swarm of bees like in his in his humanoid form he's this sort of humanoid shape. He has a purple cloak and he his skeleton is inside of these bees because when he's beaten the first time beaten <laughs> and when he's beaten the first time uh and then like several times after that we see the skeleton um which even though it's destroyed a few times It comes back like I don't know if he like grabs another skeleton or his consciousness is there and he just it's like you got to have this little thing on the inside. But when that's destroyed, I guess that's like the the thing that it's kind of fun to be like, oh, it's a skeleton. (laughs) inside
1: Yeah, I think there's a few times in the comics where his skeleton is devoured by something else. Yeah. And then he goes for a period of time without a skeleton. But I, I think that continuity wise, things have been reset. Yeah. So he just like has a skeleton again at some certain points. Now, something that I thought was really interesting about his first appearance was that when he's talking about his change into becoming Swarm is that his relationship with the bees, he describes as symbiotic, mm-hmm. which means that this predates symbiotes yeah. in the in Marvel, because we know that like Venom, Carnage, these other symbiotes. They have the symbiotic relationship with the host. Swarm, technically, then is it the first symbiote that Marvel had?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we'd have to.
1: It's not not technically not Clintar, so it's not the Clintar race of aliens, yeah. but still might be considered the first symbiote in the Marvel universe. And just just like a little tidbit there for people. It's true. It's true. Now, talking a little bit. Now, talking a little bit more about the character names and aliases are Fritz von Meyer, Dino Swarm, and Bee Man. Do you know why Dino Swarm pops up?
0: There was one time when the swarm
1: formed into a shape of a dinosaur. Yep. Yeah, okay, I was going to say that, and then I was like, "That can't be as simple as that." <laughs> yep. Yep. There it was go. his.
0: Uh, it was his Power Rangers phase. You know, he he. It was what? Do you, what do you call that? I, the Dino, the Power Ranger when
1: when the Megazord.
0: Yeah, or like when you become like the the Dino. Like, I for, I don't know these Power Rangers terms.
1: <laughs> so you morph into your ranger form. Yeah. OK.
0: And then the rangers morph into they don't they don't change into dinosaurs. They they go into like a Zord, right?
1: Yeah. So they go into a Zord, except in the newest TMNT Power Ranger crossover, Ryan Parrott had the Power Rangers mutate into dinosaurs.
0: OK, so it's so it's kind of like that. Like Swarm just. Yeah. Like, hey. I can form form of dinosaur. Like he just.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Other powers and abilities aside from turning into a giant dinosaur include uh, composed of thousands of bees. He's technically intangible. He has power of flight because of, you know, made up of bees, assuming any shape or size with enough bees. And I think at one point he's able, it says he's able to extend himself like a thousand yards wide or something like that it, it's something ridiculous entomopathy which is bee manipulation and he can control them for over a thousand yards heightened strength and then as von Meyer he has intelligence in beekeeping robotics and toxicology affiliations include sinister six the bad one <laughs> the, the exterminators the hateful hexad oh so like hexad like like the like a hexagon since it's the shape of like the like honey combs or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's another. It, they're they're like, well, we didn't want to do the Sinister Six, so we're gonna come up with another name.
1: And and you know, also affiliated with Nazis. And uh, if it's not clear enough, we don't like Nazis. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, supporting characters: Craven, Scorpion, Eight Ball, Delilah, Killer Shrike, Melter, Squid, Bear, Boar, Guy. Gibbon, Ox and White Rabbit. They seriously have a character named eight ball. Yeah, he's got an eight ball for a head. Do you know? OK, but it's like <laughs> it's such a drug out of the though. list.
0: <laughs> I mean, oh, my the, when he was in Sinister Six and I saw a picture of it um, up from a panel and it was like, oh, th- this is when all the C listers get together.
1: <laughs> it was a, brutal. It's brutal. It's
0: it's a pretty it's like, oh, this looks fun.
1: So, see, this is the problem with Swarm. He's surrounding himself with the wrong people. You got to step your game up, at least get to the B tier of other characters, and then you'll be more popular and get written in more books. That's his problem. Get better, friends. Yeah. Antagonists include the Champions, which is where he first appeared, Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, The Avengers, Mighty Avengers, Squirrel Girl, Runaways, and Mary Jane.
0: Yes, Mary Jane's uh, interaction was particularly fun because it's a, it's when he was part of this Sinister Six and then he goes after Mary Jane at the theater that she's working at and she turns on the sprinklers and all the bees go away and that's just his skeleton going, Rah! and then she drops one of the theater sandbags on his skull and he destroys him. So So Mary Jane, when Mary Jane takes you out, you have to kind of reevaluate your... Your villain powers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Like, good on Mary yeah. Jane, but oh man, to uh, you're just taken out by a non-superpowered person at that point. Yikes. Yeah. So
0: now that we've talked about the origins and some information about the character, it's time to go into
1: the archives. Like we mentioned earlier, Swarm was created by John Byrne and Bill Mantlow. Now, we actually covered John Byrne on our Kitty Pride episode that we recently did. So, we're going to focus specifically on Bill Mantlo. William Timothy Mantlo is a Brooklyn-born comic fanatic who went on to attend Cooper Union School of Art with a focus on painting and photography. Interestingly enough, Mantlo would hold a variety of civil service positions following his graduation as well as working in portrait photography. Mantle would break into the comic book scene in 1974 when a college friend helped him land a job as assistant to Marvel Comics production manager, John Verporten. His first credits in comics were as a colorist, but would quickly move to writing fill-in scripts for a Sons of the Tiger story in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. His impressive work would lead to a permanent writing position on that very title. It was during his time writing Deadly Hands that Mantlo would team up with the legendary George Perez and co-create White Tiger, comics' first superhero of Hispanic descent, who debuted in December of 1975. Now, Chris, when I read this, I had another thought, and I was like, "Is this really the first Hispanic superhero that we have?" And I thought of one other person that I th- that I honestly view as the first superhero. Of Hispanic origins can you think mm. of who I'm thinking of Zorro <laughs> I mean, Zorro yeah. 100% Zorro I, I if you view Batman as a superhero Zorro is also a superhero
0: but was Zorro like straight up a comic book
1: yeah he so so Zorro actually had a comic book that dropped in 1948. He he debuted in comics in November of 1948 oh, okay. and hit comics number 55. All right, there you go. So well predating White Tiger, but I'm assuming at this point because they say superhero, they're saying someone with superpowers. Yeah, and maybe Zorro has seen more of like cultural icon slash like vigilante uh, like like hero, the, vigilante hero of the people. But like the if you consider, <laughs> yeah, but I but you also are going to consider all those vigilantes, people that don't have superpowers. A lot of them are still considered superheroes or super villains. So to say that Zorro isn't a superhero, I don't agree with that. But still the fact that we're talking about white tiger being created in 1975 and Zorro first appearing in comics in 1948, the fact that there's that huge gap in years without another Hispanic superhero is like mind blowing to me. Around 1975, then-Marvel editor-in-chief Marv Wolfman instituted a policy to reduce missed deadlines by having fill-in scripts ready to print. Mantlo would become known as the fill-in king, turning out numerous stories under tight deadlines. Because of his success as a fill-in writer, by the late 1970s, Mantlo had written issues on almost every single Marvel title. Could you imagine just being such a quick writer and being able to work at a high level that you work on every single title of a publisher?
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: That would be exhausting, but also your name is everywhere, which is pretty crazy. (laughs) Manlo would gain even more notoriety for his work on the licensed properties Micronauts and ROM, which he ended up titling ROM Space Knight, which, became, which I know is actually quite a few people in the comic book podcasting community is one of their like more favorite characters just because of the uniqueness of them. But Mantlo had given some Micronaut toys to his son, Adam and began envisioning their backstory and vast world building to the point where he actually convinced then editor in chief Jim Shooter to obtain the comics license for that toy line. Mantlo would script with Michael Golden on art. Micronauts, along with Moon Knight and Kazar the Savage, were Marvel's first ongoing series to be exclusively distributed to comic book stores in February of 1982. Swarm made his comic book debut in issue 14 of the Champions in July of 1977. And honestly, there is a lot more to the career and personal life of Bill Matlow, but I'll save the rest of it for the fast approaching episode where we will be covering another one of his co-creations, Rocket Raccoon. But I really wanted to highlight in that future episode of rocker raccoon some really key moments of mantlow's career and life so we'll leave a little bit left
0: nice Well, we have a couple of recommendations for if you want to read some storylines and issues with Swarm. I will say I found throughout the readings that, like we mentioned earlier, it's a little hard to find any kind of substantial run with Swarm as a main villain. But there was one that I found that was kind of satisfying as it really gave him a spotlight, which was Sensational Spider-Man 9 and 10 written by Todd DeZego and pencils by Mike Waringo, ink by Richard Case and colors by Gregory Wright and Malibu Colors. This had Ben Riley as Spidey, who fights Swarm as he's trying to amplify a signal to all the bees of the world uh, to take the place of humans as the dominant species. This was right after the Onslaught storyline where he kills all the heroes. So Spidey was one of the ones that, uh it was affected by this as Peter Parker lost his powers temporarily and Ben Riley, who had the powers, took over the role of Spider-Man.
1: I love any story where we get more Ben Riley.
0: Yeah. <laughs> at first, okay, I'll admit, at first I saw this kid, this like blonde kid, and I was like, What, what, who is this? And and I was like, Oh, it's Ben Riley. Also because early Mike Warringo art is a little rough, like in the nineties it's a little cool. rough and I love where Ringo's stuff later. It's Ringo's stuff is so cool in the two thousands, but in the nineties, nineties art is rough sometimes because they had to like ch- churn them out. And uh, we also got to feature, this is like mid nineties. So um, this is features Peter Parker with a little bit of a mullet. <laughs> of course. And, and a very pregnant Mary Jane and it's, yeah, it's super nineties art with the, bright kind of, you know, loose pencils and not my favorite, but I mean, but, but uh, there was, was one of my favorite panels from this. It's this, it's these two scientists from the uh, lab that swarm takes over that has this thing. And they're like, is that a cloud? And it, it's just a bunch of bees and the other scientist is like it's bees, Mike. It's bees. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just like nope, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And yeah, Swarm is caused chaos in and, and two issues. We get Swarm for two big issues as as Ben Riley Spider Man is is trying to fight him. The other one that I will recommend is Thunderbolts one twenty two. Which again, Swarm is not the main villain of this, but it starts off with the Thunderbolts having you know it's basically the evil Dark Avengers Thunderbolts. Um, this is during. Dark Rain, I think, and th- he's amassed himself to this large, huge version of himself, and he's like, "I'm gonna take over everything." All the other Thunderbolts are like going against him, and nothing's, you know, nothing's devastating. That you know, he looks at Bolt like um, Norman Osborn looks at Bullseye, and he's like, "Where well, you gonna take him out one by one?" And Bullseye's like, "Just give me a chance." You know, it's like, no, and then he's like, "Oh, let's let Mac Gargan Venom," and and he's like, I'm going to kill him. And he he goes inside of Swarm and he comes out with the skeleton and he just eats the skeleton.
1: <laughs> yeah. Matt Gargan as as Venom during this period of time is wacky. He's huge. He, he's, he can yeah. get to a huge size, but he's also been given kind. I forget if it's like a medication or something, but it allows him to just take the shape of like black suit Spider-Man. But then he just morphs basically into this gigantic hulking size of Venom. It's a really fun run. The, everything like to Spider-Man do with Dark Avengers Bane. I was all about. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. He's just juicing. He's juicing up. Yeah.
0: And we, and we did an issue on Dark Avengers. So if you, uh, if you want to learn more about Matt Gargan and the Dark Avengers, uh, go back and listen to that issue in season one. So those are my those two were, recommendations. Yeah. What do you have, Lance, for Swarm Rex?
1: Uh, I'm going all the way back to the beginning. I recommend everyone check out The Champions from 1977, issues 14 and 15. This is his first appearance, as well as kind of finishing his first arc, which ends ridiculously. And I I would recommend just reading this with the lens of have a fun, wacky time. It is Mm -hmm. weird. It makes no sense. The way he's defeated is I'll just say it's dumb, but it's brilliant. The, it's peak. The design 70s Marvel. <laughs> I dig the design of swarm. I think it's a really great concept. And I honestly hope we get a solid storyline with this character in the future that makes him more menacing that, that uses his honestly, like the context of someone being afraid of being stung by bees. You can make this really horrific. You can make it terrifying. And, There's just a lot to play with here. So I'm hoping that this character gets kind of not the limelight, but gets a storyline where they go up against a villain and and he's not defeated in some ridiculous way, but has is imposing. I want him to be an imposing character because he absolutely has the potential to be that.
0: It's kind of like, you know, when Batman villains get get a really good writer and somebody like Clayface who can be very silly, but then but it can also be like written really menacingly and, and something like that, like swarm hasn't really had that. He hasn't had a writer that has taken him to that level. Like you said, where it's, uh, we see more than just like, I'm trying to take over the world. And, you know, it's, but, but it's a little bit like you can see where his, his, uh, motivations are, you know, I mean, if he's, if it's Nazi motivations, if it's more like revenge, if it's something else, it's, we're a little kind of, we never really seen him want to do more, I mean, there's this one storyline where he's like, I'm going to get the rest of the bees in the world and we're going to take over. And that's that's all great. (laughs) But but it's a little hard to relate to that, you know, from from just like a human want, because he's not a human like he's not human anymore. So it's it's tricky to write a character like that where you can kind of empathize even as a villain, you know what he wants. So I think that's that's where the the disconnect is for writers. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a pretty cool. Hercules throws the queen bee into the ocean and all the other bees leave and, (laughs) and then what's left is the skeleton.
1: (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah. What I'll say, like to the point of what you were just talking about, the way you really could make this character more interesting is that fact that he's been removed from humanity for so long that his connection with the bees has become something even more uh, powerful. And so the fact that bees are dying off in the world now, and they're become like, they're starting to become closer to being endangered like we need Mm -hmm. more bees in the world and so you can have him be on this like he's trying to be the protector of bees but you still can't make him heroic he still has to be villainous because sorry like with his backstory he has to stay the villain we're never gonna see him as anything other than that but you can give him layers as a villain so you might be able to play with that a little bit
0: I mean you've had You've had characters like Arnim Zola and and Red Skull and, you know, you have these characters that that are formerly Nazis, but you've done more with them. Like they're like either S.H.I.E.L.D. comes in and they're like, hey, we know you're a terrible person, but we need your intelligence or we need you for something. And like I think Swarm would be a good character for that. They're like, oh, the bee population is dying and that's the only thing that's going to stop this other villain from something, but we need to get this expert in bees. And that the only person that understands this radiation bee thing is this villain. And how can we get him to work with us or whatever? And that could be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because well, they are asteroid mutated radiated bees. <laughs> That's a very specific. So,
1: Yeah, asteroid mutated radiated bees. The uh, turn down project that uh, instead they made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) If only moving on. Yeah, if only now moving on from our pull list going into the Grail finds. I have zero things connected to this character, and I severely doubt you have a Grail find for Swarm. But what I will say is that do you do you actually have something?
0: I don't uh, I, and I looked in my collection. I was like, you know, just like did I have anything in the 90s or the 80s that maybe had an appearance and I I don't think I do Um, but I do have a, a fond memory that we'll talk about later when we talk about adaptations. So, but yeah, nothing concrete that I own. I think that that's a swarm
1: appearance. Yeah. So I will say for our listeners that honestly, on a great spec you like great spec book right now is the first appearance and origin of swarm that's this book sells for like 15 to 20 bucks in really good condition so if you come across champions 14 15 snag it up for a few bucks if he ever makes an appearance in live action or if he shows up in like a more prominent animated version of these films because we know we're going to get more these bigger budget animated spider-man films maybe take a look, give it a chance by the book. I, if I come across one, I'm probably going to pick it up, honestly, because the cover is bonkers.
0: Oh, you know what? I do own an issue. I just I just looked it up. Uh, the episode or the uh, issue where it's issue 19 of Wolverine and the X-Men. And he he's attacking the Jean Grey school. And uh, and the all the mutants are going after him and stuff like that. He's and he's attacking like. Krakoa and everything like that so yeah is that um, the one
1: where he gets defeated by dupe
0: uh-huh yeah
1: it is you have that book I, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm Amazing. pretty sure I have that because I funny. did
0: collect that that uh, run so yeah I don't know if it's that's the dupe one but but uh, <laughs> so he is defeated by dupe who plays funk music and he's like ah this is terrible I have to leave and he goes away but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, so, I do remember yeah. reading that panel where he's like, and he says something like, Ah, the Nazi bees! You know, like and it's very and he's written very cheesily, and, and all the mutants are just like, uh, oh, this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So all you need to defeat Swarm is some sprinklers or funk. You got mm-hmm. it taken care of.
0: Yeah, the power Amazing. of funk played by Dupe. Hey, let's uh let's go over some random facts. One of your favorite writers, Dan Slott. Yeah, buddy. Had an idea when he took over Amazing Spider-Man to use Swarm in an Amazing Spider-Man story where the honey created by the bees would turn those that ate it into Nazis. I'm just going to let that sink in.
1: Not the greatest idea. Yeah, not the greatest.
0: His editor quickly turned down the idea. Slott later said, you know, it's nice to have someone to tell you no, because that was probably a good idea. (laughs) so you know sometimes i think from a uh from like a writing stamp i mean i think from a silly ridiculous like that's that's the kind of thing you would read in invincible or or like you know like that's a deadpool storyline swarm is basically an invincible villain it to me like this this guy is nuts and i think that story like that's something that
1: kirkman would write that's something that kevin smith would direct
0: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I want to see this a cartoon. He was one of the Sinister Six villains included in the Broadway musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which it's OK if you don't remember that because not many people want to. But uh, and it was basically a guy in a bee mask wearing a bunch of black and yellow stripes and these little, you know, things coming out of his costume with little bees on the end of the of the little you know, poles or whatever that that was his. It did not look like I mean, you can't really just have a big swarm of bees with a hood on, but it was a very like musical version. It, it's just it, it just looks awful. Like, just if you yeah. want to see, just was- Google turn <laughs> off the dark swarm. Sinister six like it, it's it, it's awful. Uh, Let's see. He once invaded the X mansion. Oh, we just talked about this uh, and was defeated by the green floating blob dupe who stopped him by playing funk. Um, in the Ultimate Universe, Swarm was a Syrian mutant named Petra Lazkov, which I thought was kind of interesting and much more scary looking, actually.
1: So, recently, well, I guess not, well, in 2019, in the Spider Verse series that came out then in issue five, they introduced a character named Madame Sturm. And during this storyline, she ac- found the mystical totem of the spider god and act, and used it to obtain powers and became Madam Swarm. So we have a female version of Swarm in the comics, but this was obviously in an alternate reality. This was in Spider-Man Noir's universe because uh, the spider god is what gave Spider-Man Noir his powers in this world.
0: So did she still control bees or was it spiders?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm. well, she called it Swarm. Maybe... I need to read it. I just looked it up (laughs) and read it. Like I read about it. But she goes by Madam Swarm and she uses a spider god totem.
0: I did read some of his descriptions that he mostly controls bees, but he has been known to also have some control of other insects as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right here. She then combined the mystical energies of the idol with the powers of science to transfer... To transfer to herself the power of thousands of bees. So, yeah, still bees, but uses a spider god totem to do it. So, you know, like arachnid insects, same thing, right?
0: All right. Well, let's talk about some adaptations for Swarm. In the early 80s cartoon Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, which I loved as a kid and does not hold up at all. Um, Voiced by Al Fan, this version of Swarm was caused by a meteorite mutating a beehive, but curiously left out the Nazi scientist. It was just the meteorite mutated the bees and they formed a swarm and it just started calling himself Swarm. Now, this episode was especially traumatizing because I remember seeing it and this these bees could transform humans. In th- with like this kind of radiation ray, thank goodness it wasn't like they stung a bun- bunch of times. This ray kind of, you know, shot out and it was like, <Entertainment tiếnguons> like in that early 80s kind of way that they did all the time. And it would turn the humans into these human bee hybrids that were drones and they had little antennae and like bug eyes. And and they just started saying swarm, swarm. <laughs> yeah.
1: So are we talking like a Baxter, like a Baxter stockman but with bees instead of a fly situation?
0: Yeah, kinda. And it, you know, it kind of mutated. And they got Aunt May. They they transformed Aunt May. This was this was traumatizing. And uh it, she changed <laughs> back by the end. But uh it was it was pretty this not it was kind of nightmare fuel at the time. <laughs> so that's that's the one that I remember. That's how I know Swarm from way back in the early 80s. In the Marvel Spider-Man cartoon, Swarm was actually Jefferson Davis, Miles Morales's father. That's wild. This this kind of blew my mind. Like, I was like, what? And uh, so this version, they used nanotech purple bees that gave him solid form. And it could also brainwash humans again with the brainwashing. Staying away from the Nazi scientist thing. But I was just flabbergasted that it was like, why Jefferson Davis? That's an odd choice.
1: Yeah, that's a weird one.
0: Um, yeah, I guess they just were like, hey, let's give this guy some. Let's give Miles some real uh, trauma to deal with. Let's make his dad a a B villain. Yes.
1: Yeah, so his his uncle's the prowler and his dad is a B villain.
0: Not the best choice for the cartoon. But those are the two adaptations I was able to find. He has shown up in like various, um, you know, games. Curiously enough, not in the Lego game, which we always mention. Uh, not in <laughs> Marvel Lego, but uh, he was in like Marvel Strike Force, and uh, he's a often used card in uh, Marvel Snap.
1: All right, I actually did have that card before I stopped playing that game.
0: Yeah, Mar- Marvel Snap uh, uses Swarm a lot.
1: Now that we've talked about this character, and just like this character, it's a little bit strange, let's dive over to what. what? what? Each issue we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. In this episode, we decided what if you could transfer your consciousness and control any insect or small creature? Now, it's literally just going to be like Swarm was. So rather than it being bees, what insect or other small creature would we transfer our consciousness and be able to control it? Uh, And along with those lines, we also want to... Choose a name. What would be your name as this new character? And would they be a hero or a villain?
0: And uh, I I, you asked me this and I was like, okay. and I thought about it and I went to go to the note that we share and you had already taken the one that I was going to pick. Yeah, (laughs) I had to think about it again. And uh, and I even asked my kids, I was like, hey, if you could uh, if you could control insects, what would you control? Uh, You know, not surprisingly, my daughter was like butterflies (laughs) (laughs) and And because, you know, that, that'd be, that would be wonderful. You know, I'd control a bunch of butterflies. Um, and then my son said, um, spiders he he was just like, yeah, I would do spiders so then a spider could bite me and I'd become Spider-Man. I was like, okay, that's, that's fair. But, um, I went, I ended up going with, I had to do some research again, but I ended up going with the ironclad beetle. My name would be ironclad, which I thought was a kind of a fun name. That's a cool one. And I would be a villain otherwise known as the scientific name for the ironclad beetle is F- fluiodus diabolicus or the diabolical ironclad beetle is the former name
1: that would the be name. the name of your comic book
0: fluiodus diabolicus no
1: diabolical ironclad oh, the, the, beetle yeah, that would be the, the name diabolical of your ironclad comic ironclad
0: beetle yeah so the the uh, ironclad beetle can survive about Thirty-nine thousand times its own body weight. This is akin to a human withstanding the weight of about two hundred and eighty tour buses. <laughs> so that's so cool. That's uh that's pretty strong. And um, while most beetles live for a few weeks, the ironclad beetle lives for about seven to eight years. So I'm just going to call that longevity or very slow aging. And a villain with this strength could withstand a blast. Uh, live dormant for long periods of time and carry small, heavy objects where humans would not be able to. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty like this. This guy would just be right for like going underground, blasting a, a bank on top of him and he would just like crawl up and he wouldn't be hurt and he would like take take, uh, you know, things out of the safe. And he's he'd be a, a pretty, pretty bad dude and virtually. Yeah, destructive. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. want to hear something funny? What? I almost chose a Hercules beetle. (laughs) Nice. And and then I thought it's funny that your son chose spiders because then he would just it would just be spiders man Uh at that point, (laughs) which is a wild character. We need to cover spiders man in a future episode because that character is super interesting. That's awesome. And so your character is a villain. So they're going to go up against my hero. Yeah. So uh, so I went with Dragonfly because I was quick on the draw. Uh, My dragonfly uh, character's name is going to be called Draken, So D-R-A-C-O-N, literally translating to dragon. Uh, Now, some interesting facts about dragonflies. They're obviously fast flyers. They're carnivorous, and they feed on other other smaller insects, as well as being fierce predators since the day they're born. So dragonfly nymphs, which are the larva, eat tadpoles, small fish, and mosquitoes. So they're just out the gate. Eating things, mm-hmm. which sounds a little bit more villainous than heroic, but I envision this this dragonfly hero like being able to fly around the city in quick moments, being able to like disperse, take out like plagues that might be going around, and then coming back. and I would be very interested to see a fight between Draken and Ironclad.
0: I I even thought of some other ones. Like I thought of a female insect based villain named Silkworm which she would have the power to control silkworms. And I was like tensile strength of a silkworm is very strong comparatively. So like, what if, you know, you'd have all these silkworms like crawling over you. And then all of a sudden they'd just be like silk, 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 you know, like taking over somebody's mouth or holding somebody down and just like, you can't break it. Like that'd be kind of yeah terrifying. Um, so I was thinking about that. And, and like, there's a bunch of cool moths, you know, out there. So like, like a moth uh, theme would be really cool. Um, not not the guy from the tick, but, you know, just like, like a (laughs) evil moth or a cool, you know, hero moth or something like that. There's, there's a bunch of insect potential, um, you know, other than the ones that are already out there, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, but there's, there's other ones. Um, I almost picked dung beetle and, and, (laughs) and not just because, not because it's, it's hilarious. Uh, but, but because they are very strong and they, you know, they do have a lot of like proportional strength, but I think, I would think that would be a really funny like, hey, my name's Dung Beetle. And like no one would take him seriously. And he's like, he's incredibly powerful. But like he would just be laughed off, you know, like poor guy. You know, now
1: that's that's the invincible. That's character. That's the invincible
0: character is Dung Beetle.
1: Yeah, Dung Beetle. Um, and also Silkworm, I feel like could just be Silk. So Cindy Moon uh-huh. being like mutated into something else. That would be interesting.
0: Yeah. I almost also picked uh, Rolly Pulley's as well the pill bug (laughs) because they're the i didn't know this but roly polies are and actually a um a crustacean but they're a land they're the only land-based crustacean like shrimp and lobster so they've they've mutated to where they're like they can you know roll up as a little ball and and um and they're very strong they have armor that's like super uh not super strong but like it's proportionally strong for a lot of things so not as strong as the uh ironclad beetle
1: <laughs> the only thing i can think of with roly polies is just those two brothers from oh, a yeah. bug's life
0: <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the, the, they're fun too but i was thinking about
0: originally with roly polies is somebody that could control like thousands of roly polies <laughs> just call them pill bug and then you know like he would just like take them and like throw them but they would be like reinforced so it basically would just be like a bunch of bullets coming at you <laughs> like just yeah ah, that's cool <laughs> and they'd start crawling on you and stuff like i mean that that could be good or bad i mean you could do some stuff like where you could kind of roll on the ground under his feet and stuff but uh yeah yeah i i I thought about this way too much than i probably
1: yes you 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 made you made like seven different characters
0: (laughs) there's it's gonna be a whole it's gonna be a super team called the insect crew
1: (laughs) well chris put a lot of thought into this so listeners what insect or other small creature would you want to transfer your consciousness into to create this amount, this, uh, not amalgamation to create this uh, composite form character that could disperse themselves. Let us know on social media at CBK cast on Instagram and Twitter, as well as if you enjoyed this episode and are just enjoying this show in general, please consider helping us continue to grow by joining our Patreon feed you can go ahead and look up patreon.com slash comic book keepers. The information is also in our show notes and we appreciate any support you can offer.
0: And if you do join our Patreon, you can start listening to episodes of our Patreon only show called bagged and boarded, where we have fun conversations. We ask each other questions. We talk about things that we don't, uh, you won't hear anywhere else uh, except for on bagged and boarded. So exclusive extra content. And you also get a fun sticker.
1: You do. You get a very fun sticker drawn by Chris Daly. That's right. It's true. Which is my co-host. If people (laughs) don't know my co-host's full name.
0: It's time to close the book on Swarm. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close.
1: But your comic books closer.
0: The best way to support us is leaving a rating and review. A five star rating goes a long way on Apple Podcasts and other podcast services, and a review about what you liked in the issue does so much more. We hope you enjoy the show as much as we love making it. And if you want to check us out on Twitter at CBKCast, use the hashtag CBKCast with your what if ideas or any questions or comments about anything we discuss in the show. We're also on Instagram at CBKCast. We're on Facebook now, and you can join our Facebook group and Facebook page and ask any questions that you want there or talk about what uh, you'd like us to talk about uh, in the future. Comic Book Keepers is hosted by The Geekly Grind. Stop by The Geekly Grind for all things geeky, from comics, anime, and manga to board games, video games, RPGs, and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at The Geekly Grind.